If you would, take your Bibles. We're going to turn open to Romans. Here's in a pew Bible there. It's on page 941. This afternoon, uh, Romans 3, as we continue meditating upon the cross of our Savior. Look at Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. Let me pray for us before we open the Word together. Father, we do pray that You would speak to us by Your powerful Word this afternoon. That we might see the cross afresh and anew. That we would not think upon these things as old and dry, but that this old, old story would ignite in us a new flame of love for You, a new appreciation, new thanksgiving. Revive us, we all have need of that. And for some of us, would You renew us by the power of Your Spirit. In Christ's name, Amen. Romans three twenty-one through 26 this is the holy, inerrant, sufficient Word of God. Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith. In Jesus. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of God is forever. Thanks be to God. Amen. So think about a world. I think there are two things that it is consistently crying out for, literally dying for. And those two things are often how our world would put it, justice, or righteousness, and the other is love. Often you'll hear justice or righteousness in the form of the desire for peace, but no one wants peace at any cost. We want peace that is the fruit of justice in the world, or rightness in the world, righteousness in the world. And many people, when they ask about God and they think about God, these are the two questions that go through their mind. If God is truly righteous, 
then why don't we see the effects of it in this world? If He's truly loving, why don't we see the effects of it in this world? Martin Luther, the great reformer, famously struggled with the righteousness of God, the unparalleled righteousness of God. He struggled with it in relation to the fact that he knew the depth of his sin, and he was struggling with the fact that he was a sinner through and through. He could often be found in the fetal position in his cell where he was weeping and where he was crouched in the fetal position and he was despairing of life itself because he was reckoning with the fact that God is righteous, but if God is righteous, and as Luther knew of himself that he is such a great sinner, then does he really want to see the righteousness of God manifested? Why? Because the righteousness of God is an unsettling thing for sinners. It's an unsettling thing for sinners. But the cross changes everything. It did for Paul. Notice that Paul says in this passage, and he says it with joy, he says it multiple times, now the righteousness of God has been manifested. He says that with joy. He's already said that same phrase all the way back in chapter 1 verse 17, where he says the righteousness of God is revealed, and he rejoices at it. How can the righteousness of God manifested or revealed be something that is received with joy? Well, we want a righteous God. We want that. If God was not angered by child prostitution or by abuse in this world or by murder or by the Holocaust, He would not be a God any of us would want because He would not be truly good. The world that we live in, it is constantly banging the drum of wanting to see justice in this world. Justice is a right thing, but for sinners it is an absolutely dangerous thing. It's actually a deadly thing. But God must uphold justice. And He must exercise His righteousness. Much more than simply because that's the kind of God that we want. And that's the kind of God that we desire to have. And He must, because as the church father Anselm rightly said, if God does not punish sin, He would be unjust to Himself. Why? Because God is righteous. He is who He is. And He is just and He is righteous. And if He does not uphold justice and righteousness, He is by definition no longer God. He would be less than He is. Which is something, but it is not God. But you see, if He exercises it, if He reveals it, 
if He manifests it, it is absolutely dangerous for sinners. And yet, Paul is pleased that the righteousness of God has been revealed. Martin Luther, when he is wrestling with this, he is thinking about it as medieval theologians had thought about it. And in that cell, in his monk's cell, he is in that fetal position, he is in anguish and he is crying out. There are times that he says that even in those moments he was hating this God. He came to that place because he believed with the medieval scholastics at the time that the righteousness of God here in Romans 3 and earlier in Romans 1 referenced the attribute of God bringing justice to bear upon sinners. And he knew that that was not good news. So why does Paul call this good news? And after months of wrestling, why does Luther eventually find this passage to be good news, it's because he rightly concluded that what Paul is communicating here is that the righteousness of God here and in Romans 1 is the righteousness that comes from God. It's a righteousness that is given. And that is exceedingly good news. Paul says that this righteousness is, quote, manifested apart from the law. That is, it's a righteousness that is not earned. It's a righteousness that he says is a gift. All you can do with a gift is receive it with open hands. A gift that we receive by faith alone. A gift of righteousness, he says, that is secured through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. The universe wants righteousness. It wants it. It needs a righteous God exercising righteousness. And at the cross, God's righteousness is shown Quote, as Paul says, at the present time so that he may be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He exercises his righteousness. At the cross, God yells at the entire universe, justice is upheld. I am God. God the righteous who upholds justice. And yet, He upholds it in such a way that we sinners are not condemned by Him, but rather saved by Him if our faith is in Christ. He gives us righteousness as a gift even as He upholds His own Righteousness. How? Well, this is the mystery that was hidden for ages. This is the great secret of the gospel. Paul will say that Christ became a curse for us. 
He was made to be sin for us. Upon Him was laid our iniquity and all its consequences, including the wrathful justice of this righteous God by making Him who was righteous the bearer of our unrighteousness so that we might receive His righteousness. When we look at the cross, you and I are to see a righteous God. A righteous God. And when we look at the cross, we're to see a loving God. If God is truly loving, people will say, then how can it be? How can it be that there is pain in our world, and that there is suffering in our world, and that there is death in our world? How can it be that there is loss in our world, and that there is divorce in our world, and that there are wars in our world. And then the question fires, especially when it hits home personally. How can God be truly loving with what I have lost? With that cancer diagnosis I just received? that family member that just passed away. The sickness and the pain that I continue to endure. Where is the evidence that God is loving? And the answer is the same. It's at the cross. In Exodus, when Moses asks for God's name, God says, I am who I am. What is he saying to Moses? It is that he eternally is as he is in himself, all that he ever will be, all that he can be. God simply is. He always is. And as he is, he always is. He doesn't change. His joy doesn't change. His happiness doesn't change. His self-satisfaction has and always is complete. That means this. That nothing can add or subtract from God. Nothing can add or subtract from His happiness. From His joy. From His completeness. That means that there is nothing that you and I can do. Or that we can not do. That somehow gives more joy and more happiness to this God. In one very real sense, He receives nothing ever from us because we cannot give him anything that he does not already have so when these this perfect god sends a redeemer into the world to suffer and to die on a cross for rebel sinners we see love defined it is not just one among many other loves this is a wholly distinct love. This is a completely different love. This is pure. It's a self-giving love in a way that no other love is or can be because He truly receives nothing in return that He doesn't already possess. Where do you find love? At the cross. 
Or do you see that God is loved at the cross? And when we begin to realize that this act of love doesn't give anything new, but actually costs Him, the manifestation of God's love at the cross just multiplies upon multiplies. It's the very definition of self-giving in that at the cross, He gives Himself. God sent God into the world to die for sinners. God sent God. The Father sends His Son. Now listen, if He had sent any other but His only begotten Son, we might have reason to doubt His love. We would have reason to say it was a restrained love. It was a good love. But it was surely not the best of loves. The greatest of loves. Not a perfect love. But that's not what happened. God sinned. God. giving Himself for sinners. It is undefiled. It is unadulterated. It is unrivaled. It is unequaled. Where do we see God's love most clearly? It is at the cross. Paul says just a couple of chapters later in Romans 5, God shows His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One of my favorite quotes in all of church history is from the Puritan Thomas Goodwin. Where he looks upon this scene and he says, if there were infinite worlds made of creatures loving, they could, have, they could not have so much love in them as was in the heart of that man, Christ Jesus. He is both the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, as Paul says in our passage. Here, righteousness and love meet. And that's what Luther came to understand. In his famous commentary in Galatians that Luther wrote, that uh, just reading the preface to it, John Wesley will come to saving faith. In that famous commentary, Luther will say this, to be convinced in our hearts that we have forgiveness of sins and peace with God by grace alone is the hardest thing. But you see, he knew it. He knew it because he looked at the cross. And he saw there at the cross that the righteousness of God and the love of God commingled. And there at the cross, a gift was purchased and a gift was extended. That gives an answer to all the questions that are in this world. That gives an answer to every question that you have in your soul. Who is this God? You look to the cross. He is righteous. And He is loving beyond loving. 
And He extends His righteousness to you in love. And all you have to do is receive it by faith. Paul himself will exclaim in Galatians 2, he can't just talk about it. I love Galatians 2 for this reason. He will say, the Son of God, and he makes it so personal. Oh, I pray you have made it personal. He says, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know God this way? This God-man who died on the cross for you, do you know Him this way? Oh, He is loving and He is righteous. And you see it at the cross. Let's pray. Our Father, we are thankful that you sent your Son into this world to make a way for sinners such as us. O oh, Son, we give you praise, being very God of very God, that you were willing to enter into your creation, to willingly suffer and die for sinners that we might receive the crown of everlasting life. We might know what it looks like to have everlasting peace. We might know what it looks like to be re the receivers of the love of the Father. We might know what it looks like to dwell in righteousness. give you praise, our Lord and our God. May the cross never be something that is old and stale and dead to us. May it be something that enlivens us in every sense of that word. In Christ's name, amen.